Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the very first episode Handsome Troy and I ever did. And truth be told, pulling back the curtain a bit, we are building the plane as we're flying here, guys. We were really excited about getting started. And what happened is we just lost some audio at the end. We lost five to six minutes. This is the only time it's ever happened. We have a lot of cool episodes coming up that you can click on. But listen to the first one. But don't be surprised when we drop off at the end. We love you a lot. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) I love the metronome. I love the metronome. All right. We are here for the very first episode of the Levity Floatcast. I'm here with my man, Troy. Here I am. (laughs) That's awesome, man. What we're going to do here in our first episode is just kind of give some brief history of floating, um, do a rundown. Troy's here to give me some balance so I don't go too far off the rails and reel me in when uh, I go down the rabbit hole a little too deep. Um, Here at Levity, we are located in Squirrel Hill here in Pittsburgh. And one of the nicest things that we have is our community here. Brief history of floating. Um, Troy, why don't, what do you know about floating? As someone who's floated a handful of times, what what do you know? Well, from a historical perspective, I think the main thing that I recall is that the man who invented it was into psychedelics. <laughs> Big time into psychedelics. <laughs> and, um, you know, he was just looking to expand consciousness, kind of go deeper yeah, his name's John Lilly. He invented the first one in 1954. Back then, it looked like a tank. It was very unappealing. And you're right, as an American physician, Dr. John Lilly was head over heels in love with psychedelics. He used them to examine the conscious mind. And some may say he went a little too deep. <laughs> Didn't. do you um do you think that i guess the new age aesthetic of the tank has made it more approachable for people yeah and and truly his idea of what he wanted to experiment with was the consciousness and he felt the best way to do that from his writing was to eliminate all the external stimuli coming into us if we could counterbalance the distraction that is our body and mind if we can kind of close that out then we can kind of take a dive into what it what remains and he felt that was consciousness the first couple tanks they just weren't very aesthetically pleasing they've become much more uh, palatable for people to give give it a try to get in and float but ultimately the sauce is still the same man it's it, you know 10 inches of water, 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt, you float on your back and really try to eliminate the stimulus. So then you have that time to reflect and kind of think, what do you hear? What do you hear when it's complete silence? What is that voice? Um, Why Epsom salt? Great question. It's just the healing properties of magnesium. Magnesium is one of those miracle molecules that the body absolutely loves it's good for skin it's good for sleep regulation it's good it's a building block for serotonin and all the feel-good endorphins and when you float what happens is your body takes in the magnesium and building block of those endorphins really start the brain starts pumping out it has 
an abundance of magnesium in the body and says, what do I do with this? Well, I like making endorphins. I like making you feel good. And it's, it's one of the most healing um, molecules for the body. And we're so deficient in it because the reality is we don't eat a lot of magnesium. I don't know where you can find magnesium other than a supplement or Epsom salt. Um, so it's something our body really, really craves. And a float really helps boost those levels. Do you think that that was um, in John C. Lilly's mind when he was doing this? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, no. I, I mean, like, <laughs> as someone who wants to explore consciousness, I mean... He's obviously into the spirit, and if you're into the spirit, it's kind of natural that you're going to be into the the mind and body. You know, it's like the Holy Trinity, as they say. So, as one looking to expand himself, probably not only on the inner but also the outer. I mean, is this like something that maybe he was thinking, like, okay, this is because this is also another question I was going to ask. Do you think he wanted it to be for the common person? And mm. if it is for the common person, you know, maybe this is like beyond just a mental thing maybe this is also your body needs it this is a way you can get the nutrient and i know a lot of people that may have this type of spiritual mindset have a type of um ideology of like you have to eat to live not mm -hmm. live to eat mm -hmm. so maybe if you're like fasting or like intaking less food maybe this is one natural way of nutrient supplementation makes absolute sense i really do think john Lilly was and the reason I keep laughing is his last um, battery of experiments was him taking large doses of ketamine and trying to communicate with dolphins. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, not mad. Not mad. But when it's like, I wonder if he was thinking about the, the magnesium uptake and how you've... No, he was thinking about talking to dolphins. He was wanting to, to, to communicate and... Um, trying to evolve, I mean. Right gotta on. Gotta give it to him. I think he did want it for... Floating is one of those things where we're all interconnected. Similar to the psychedelic world. Experimenting and experiencing psychedelics. We all know the large majority of us experience that hive mind. And I think with Lily wanted everybody to have a vehicle to examine their consciousness. I think that's what it was. How do we, in the most re least restrictive way, restrict our senses and stimuli coming in? In that, you know, Epsom salt, water, very natural. And like I said, I, I think it was one of those things where he saw benefits for everybody. Um, I don't know if he was as conscious of the molecules as much as he was as trying to create a vehicle to examine the conscious mind. That makes sense. Um, you touched on the idea of a hive mind, and also prior to that, you said that you know everyone's connected. Um, in your opinion, what is the difference between those two things because you can be connected or it's arguable that we are connected through a hive mind mm -hmm. but one has a little bit better connotation to it so what do you think is the difference and how do you think that floating helps separate the two or join them a very very good question i think floating really reminds us of who we are and at the core of who we are when we strip everything away we understand that we're all alike 
the level of empathy that you that many experience after a float is extremely helpful in relationships in professional world in our personal world and being able to understand someone else's perspective is such a difficult but empowering um, characteristic to handle. It helps you understand that everybody is kind of the same and that, you know, the, the guy that was, uh, or you got cut off in traffic on the way over here, and it's like that person is just speeding around trying to get to their next place. And it's like, we're all the same. All been there. Yeah. All been there. <laughs> I, all been there. And it, it's like you, just to have empathy for that other person that we've all been there and we've all experienced that. And we've all tried to hustle through. And I, I think that comes out with experiencing psychedelics, but also with floating to have that hour alone or 90 minutes alone to, to reflect back and think, was I a good human? Am, am I acting consciously? Am I acting ethically? And that when you come out with those questions and even in that step of just asking those questions is half those battle, half the battle, it puts you in a reflective state of mind to then level up, to then level up. If I'm thinking of a question and pondering it for a while, my mind will get its arms around it eventually and I'll come to an understanding. But if we're solely focused on ourselves, if we're solely focused on what's going on in our world only, boy, we miss out on quite a bit. Um, and that's why for me, it's like that hive mind is, is good to have a conscious, to stand on the shoulder of giants and, you know, appreciate others' perspectives. I agree. I agree. Uh, the world definitely needs more empathy. I myself definitely need more empathy. I get very wrapped up in my my own daily life and my own goals. And, you know, I think, like you said, that's just like everyone, you know, it's, it's hard to put yourself in, in someone else's shoes. Um, would you say that you're an empath? I've heard that before, and I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I can tell you if I'm out somewhere and there's a group of people and I see a group of people and I just get a bad vibe. It, it doesn't have to do with the amount of people. I feel like I can interact with somebody and real quick get a quick read. But um, that term seems to bring up a lot of different things. I, I've heard people talk about like they can see someone's energy. They can feel someone's energy. Well, my understanding of an empath is, is like it's it's separate than just feeling energy. It's being able to essentially feel what they are feeling. No, that's not me. <laughs> not me. No, sir. Well, then I think Check. you need to float more. <laughs> Get in touch with yourself, Mister. Exactly. I. Uh, what I do is, I think, um, and this will be a good segue into how I got into floating, because um, for me, a large part of my training and who I am, uh, I worked as a school counselor before getting before opening our own studio, and a large part of my training was to be able to um, compartmentalize things and not get emotionally attached and not have to feel the emotions that someone's sharing with you but to objectively take them in and process them. And a large part of that was from, you know, working in schools um, 
you can really only hear someone describe abuse so many times. So you have to build skills that are very similar to mental walls that keeps that out while you operate objectively with the best interest of that person in mind. And then those walls can break later and you can crumble. But it's it, the mind is almost like the body in that if you put it through enough, it'll get strong. It'll get strong, but you can't shy away from the tough work. And uh, for me, I think I can understand someone else's perspective because for a large portion, if I enter into a conflict, and it doesn't have to be spicy. It doesn't have to be anything other than like, oh, this person sees it this way and I see it that way. A large tool that I use is devil's advocacy. Always try to look in. always does that. Right? <laughs> always throws it in my face. It's And that's what you have to lean in on. That's what you have to lean into and understand the different perspectives. And that broadens the mind of like, oh, this person isn't trying to get over on me. This person isn't doing the wrong thing. They think this is what's best. And truly, it's just such an easy example to reflect back on my time in education with teachers. There was many times where um, I would butt heads with teachers that... Same. What? Really? <laughs> I was a very <laughs> arguative individual in school. And see, we would probably have been great friends. And you probably... and. That's where probably the biggest part I miss about that life is being able to be that person in the system that Mavericks could relate to. So many times I saw young people um, suppressed because they didn't fit into the box. And that's where sometimes I had to butt heads with teachers and go to bat with them. And um, just for example, you know, this... His teacher wants his kid to do homework and this and that, and it's but but the kid's not eating at home. Like you don't give a shit about your math problems if you don't know when your next dinner is coming. So I'd have to try to like explain to a teacher with the understanding that they really just want them to learn English. That's what they're trying to do. But it's in that part of putting on their shoes and trying to understand what they want is still best for that child too but different lens. And they don't have the perception I do and understanding of the other person's background. So I think once you start putting those things together, man, I think you really start operating on a response mechanism instead of that reactionary one. Well, kudos to you for when you were in that position as a counselor, taking those steps to actually approach uh, the people that are supposed to be, quote unquote, on your side. They are the same team because uh, that's very difficult. Um, but, you know, I think that's that's like the quality of a leader and, you know, someone that wants to make an impact. And, yeah, I think that that's huge. And it, it, it definitely shows, too, that that uh, job, that position forced you to be empathetic. It forced you to understand <laughs> what someone else is yeah. going through, which I think is a beautiful thing, you know, because... It's a natural way of doing it. It's just like a day-to-day conversation, understanding an individual and a kid as well. Because I feel like if you can have patience, or I shouldn't necessarily say kid, a kid or young adult, Mm -hmm. if you can have patience and understand a kid or child or young adult's mind, adults who can be way more frustrating in other ways, 
well, are easier because you can almost see in their actions like that childlike innocence that has been stripped. Mm. And so you can kind of, mm. I think, see why or mm. where it may come from. Agreed, man. And, and that's where, for me, I, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't this way until I started floating. I had a lot of frustrations early on in my career because, and I say it now, having two kids there's times where our four-year-old she's very headstrong she's a flower child and very one with the earth God. what do you mean by flower child like, <laughs> she's like a hippie child? she's a hippie she's okay. she's a beautiful just fun loving wants to be in the grass pick flowers make homemade pasta and just one <laughs> of those old souls um, but there's times where I have to say to her and she understands why I go, you're just going to learn. Like there's, there's times where you're just going to learn. You're going to, uh, figuratively bump your head up against the wall until you learn that you don't have to do that anymore. And for me, man, for, I was working in a school of the last year I was there, dude, there were 1800 kids in the school, 1800 kids. There was two counselors. Um, I was working, wow. right? Well, it was K through five. Inner city school? No. It was Northern Virginia. I worked in Prince William County Schools. And the school opened two years before I started. Brand new school. They, it was beautiful. And the schools went up all the time there just for the growth of people. And opened with, I think, 850 kids. Uh, the year I got there, there was 1,200. Um, I worked there for four years, and the year I left, it had peaked around 17, 1,700. The year I left and moved back to Pittsburgh, it was around 12. It was around 1,200. But K through 5, it was a madhouse. And it was one of the most empowering things but also extremely stressful so i was doing that job in addition to going to graduate school at night so my day was nuts i mean i would get up i would go work out i would go to work i would come home i would go to class i would come home i would do my lesson plans i would do my schoolwork i would go to bed i would get up non-stop nuts non-stop. like those type of things make people though you're right and that's where for me, I was banging my head up against the wall because I was extremely frustrated and I didn't have that empathy and I didn't have the reflection. And that's when my beautiful wife said, what about floating? What about floating? At the time, I was probably, uh, not probably, I was drinking way too much. I didn't have an outlet for uh, my stress besides working out. I worked out six days a week. Uh, but it just wasn't, it wasn't making ends meet with all the responsibilities and stress I was dealing with. And she said, let's go float. I thought you are nuts. (laughs) It was nuts, man. I mean, I think most people look at it that way, you know, because it's like, uh, I'm just going to sit in a puddle of water (laughs) with some salt. I'd rather put salt on my steak. Like, <laughs> I think, you, dude, I think you nailed the exact words that I said to her. She was like, "Let's go float," and it was like, "You're absolutely insane." So we went down to Chesapeake, Virginia, at a place called First Float, and um, we did one at night, and we did one the next day. Um, and after that first float at night, I, 
I went, and it was a very nice studio, and the guy was very nice. But when I got in the, the tank, I was just kind of waiting around for something to happen. But it wasn't until I got out that I was like... Expectation is a killer. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. And then I stepped out. Man, I felt amazing. I slept great that night. And we had booked two, because from where we were living, Chesapeake was about four hours away. So we figured, if we're going to go, let's do it a couple times. And I uh, did one at night, and then one in the morning. And it was honestly the first time I can remember that my body felt like it was at baseline, that things, I wasn't stressed. I wasn't overly concerned with, I didn't have those uh, hamster on the wheel thoughts of what's going on, what am I not doing right? I wanna relax, relax, put my mind at ease. Good friends and good vibes, now that's all I need. When life hurts, come down and flow to levity. Let your problems wash away into serenity, whoa.